listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, so today, um, today we're continuing our series called Re. And we've reapplied, we've recommitted, um, we've repositioned, um, uh, we've, we've done these things. We, we are going to rebalance this week. Now, the point of this week is to help you evaluate your life in three specific areas, in your marriage, in your parenting, and in your finances, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you um, what you need to do in order to bring some balance into those areas. Now, uh, you may have been given a card when you walked in that gives you an opportunity to fill out a question. Um, Pastor Tony back here, wave your hand. Um, he's collecting those cards. So if you have a question, um, send that to him. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to do our best to answer uh, as many questions as we can. We have a lot of questions already that we got online um, from you guys. But um, we're going to answer those and try to answer as many as we get. Any that we don't answer, which I have several in my hand right now from first service as well. Any that we don't get to, what I'll do is I will answer those in our Facebook family page. So if you're not a part of that yet, please jump on that Facebook family group. Um, and you can search it on Facebook or we can help you out with that. But I will answer all the extra questions there. Um, it's important because a lot of you all have questions about how to do this. And, um, and if you're in here and you're single and you're like, well, I don't know oh, this marriage one. Like it's not really a benefit for me because I'm single. Well, hold on a minute. You're probably going to be married at some point. Um, I know a lot of you who are married right now wish that you would have taken the time to get your life right before you got married instead of when you got married. Because I don't know about y'all, but me and Monique butted heads. She was so wrong for the first three years, y'all. Like, just, you see, I ain't looking back there. You know what I'm saying? Like, if she's getting up, y'all say something. Like, help a brother out, you know. But she was so, so wrong the first three years of marriage. No, I'm kidding. It, it was both of us. But um, we... Miracle still Praise the Lord. Miracle of Jesus. Uh, but... Um, be sure to get those questions that you might have to Pastor Tony, and he's going to go through them. Um, lastly, I just want to welcome everybody that's watching online, and I want to tell everybody here that if you want to follow along with the notes, um, I've gone in and answered a bunch of these. In fact, I've answered all of these questions that are in the notes on Uversion. So just type in, U, uh, get the Uversion app, click Events, Freedom Church, all the notes will be there. And also, the notes are going to be in our Facebook family page. It uh, should be available right now. Um, I want you to have this information, okay? Um, we can, we can jump a pew and scream and holler. Or, or we can give you some information that's actually going to help you change your life. Yeah. That's what this is about. We want to rebalance today. And so um, we have some people here on our panel. Thank you, sir. We have some people here on our panel. So first, I'm Jason Coward. I'm the lead pastor here with my wife, Monique. Well, we're the lead pastors here. And so um, we're going to be talking about parenting. Um, we have pastors Marvin and Gwen Coward. Um, uh, my dad, they're both my parents. Um, Dad is uh, one of our board of directors, uh, and they're both on our presbytery, which is our elders and pastor team. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for them, Marvin and Mike Howard. And then we have Greg and Mindy Neal. Um, Greg is a board of director here, and Mindy serves in a variety of areas at our church. Um, and they are, um, okay, number one, I have to say, they are not your financial advisor, okay? So don't go buying stocks based on what they say, okay? Just isn't that the, the disclaimer I need to say? Um, but they both work in personal banking and finance and have been doing this for a long time and are going to give us some wisdom when it comes to uh, finances. So I'm really excited about this. So, um, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with marriage. Amen, amen. How many of you want your marriages to get better? All right, well, okay, she's patting me on the back now. Praise the Lord. 
All right, let's answer a few questions. Okay, what do you do when you bring up a problem to your spouse uh, and they completely dismiss the problem? And when the problem is brought up, you feel as though they purposely get angry because they know you don't deal with negativity, and so it'll make you shut down and, and drop the issue. What do you do in that situation? That's the hardest question. Well, that's what we're going to start with, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Well, yeah. Um, first of all, I, I process information through my mind. Uh, Marvin processes primarily through his emotion. And so you process information that way. Um, and then you get it to your will and you will yourself to do what is correct. But there's times that I've brought up things like that. It's really difficult, um, especially if it shuts you down. Sometimes in those cases, you're gonna have to bring in someone else to listen to your problem and help sort it out. Um, first of all, you must have all the information on the table. All the information. One of the things that we stated in our marriage in the beginning was that we were going to be honest with each other no matter what. We told our kids, whatever you do, come home and tell us because for one thing, we'll find it out somehow. And Holy Spirit's a snitch, just yes. letting y'all know. Second of all, um, honesty will will bring you an easier punishment really if you're honest okay so first of all um that is really a, a hard question but um bringing it to like say you wanted to come to marvin and i and and discuss a problem we would do that privately and also whomever you trust to do that needs to be someone that you can trust that's not going to go tell other people what you're struggling with right and so that's extremely important um, but you do have to come to an agreement to agree somewhere and then move forward from there. Yeah. You know, selfishness has caused a lot of trouble in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And those problems arise because one of the other things they're right. When you're married, it's not that way. Right. It can't be one or the other. It's the both of you. And it takes the two to make it right. So what you have to do is get rid of the selfishness. I'm just going to be point blank. Get rid of the selfishness and think about the other person first. Then things will come around. I promise you. Yeah. You're not all wrong, but you're also not all right. Yeah. Okay. So there's a little bit of both. Third party is a huge deal. That is the answer to that. You need a third party. And I would, I would instruct you that if you are a married couple coming to somebody for that, um, don't go just to a man or a woman alone. Go to a couple. And here's why. Ladies, you need an advocate. and Men, you need an advocate. Okay, and so that will help uh, settle that issue. What does submission to your husband look like when you haven't had a good example or been taught what that is? Yeah. Well, mm. what, what I brought into our marriage was my mother is very uh, subservient to my dad. He's very strong. You're not like that. No, I'm not. Um, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very strong-willed, and so for me, I needed a husband who was not I needed him to be stronger than me, if you can understand what I'm saying. It didn't mean that he was, he strong-armed me by any way. In his personality, he's a man of few words, but his words are very weighty. And so I needed that strength to kind of keep me in correct position. 
And we're talking about position. We're not talking about value. Because the word says that we are the same in the eyes of God. We are equal in that. But we have, there has to be order in everything. And there is an order for the family. And you need to follow it. Amen. And that doesn't mean, you know, like men, you have got to be hearing the voice of the Lord. Because if you're not, you can be making choices that are bringing your family down a path of hell. And I'm talking about if you've ever had hell break loose in your house, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. And so we have to be sure, uh, ladies, that we're listening and that we're giving our opinions. Men, you need to be willing to hear it. And women will be more apt to submit to the position of authority that you hold when they know that you're hearing the Lord and you can trust that. We as men, sometimes we are uh, men a few words and but what I want to say is that when we speak, we need to mean what we say. It's what I'm trying to say. You just not this and that and this and well, well, well. We need to, we need to say what we what we mean and mean what we say. We don't browbeat it over our wives. We don't browbeat them. We don't uh, we don't threaten them. We don't threaten our. Sometimes we threaten our kids. Jason's had a lot of threaten, threatening in his life, but. You know, Therapy. sometimes we just don't do that to our wives. We don't do that because what that brings is not the gift of the Spirit. Yeah. And the gift of the Spirit is what matters. Mm. And I believe in being selfishness is straight from the pits of hell. Yeah. If you're selfish, that's going to get you in a lot of trouble in your life and in your family. Yeah. You remember, guys, that um, your wife finds it easier to submit to you when you are somebody that's worth submitting to. So if you if you act in ways that in that encourages that, that gives her something godly to submit to, that's a huge part of this this whole situation. And um, I also think it's important you understand, men, you don't lord over your wife. Your wife doesn't walk behind you. She walks beside you. She is your helpmate. Monique? I also want to point out when it comes to submitting that in a marriage, nothing is ever 50-50. Sometimes you are carrying 100% of the load in some areas. Jason carries 100% of the financial load in our house. I carry probably 98% of like the medical load in our house. Um, I also do all of the educational stuff. So when it comes to decisions on medical or educational, Jason is going to submit to my wisdom in that area and my expertise in that area. But when it comes to our family, like when we made the decision to move from Longview to Dayton, Texas, we submitted to his decisions on that because he is the one that is hearing God for our family. Not that I don't either, don't take that from me, but in our household he is the one that is hearing God for our family on big decisions like that he has 100% of that load in our family and so it is important to identify in your family what is 100% yours what is 80% yours what is 50% yours and to determine who makes those decisions because that helps later on and to submit to those decisions because that helps later on when it comes to those uh times when you want to just drag out and argue because it's like no I'm sorry I carry this load on this we need to lean this way. Yeah, and there's so much to that. I mean, it's so good. But me submitting to my wife in those areas is not anti-biblical. The Bible says that, that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. And if she knows something better than me, I'm arrogant and prideful and ignorant if I don't submit to that knowledge. Okay, so when it comes to medical stuff, she has been in that game for way longer than I have, knows more. She's got a biology degree for crying out loud. 
graduated magna cum laude. She knows about that stuff, okay? Super smart. Why wouldn't I submit to that? She's at 90% of the doctor's visits. Why wouldn't I submit to that? It's not wrong to do that. So your spouse might know something or do something better than you know or do it. Don't be afraid to allow that other spouse to shine in an area where they're gifted. Otherwise, it's just pride, guys. Uh-oh. When you, uh, I want to give you an example of that. You happen up on a car wreck, okay, and, and you're a caring person. You're out praying for that person. And, but if a policeman drives up, you naturally need to step back mm. and let the man of the authority do what he needs to do. Yeah. Then when, when the ambulance driver gets there, the policeman helps but he lets the ambulance driver take over. Yeah, he does. Then when the ambulance driver gets to the hospital, the doctors take over. Yep. So it's a matter of practicality. Yeah, that's great, Dad. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. Um, just for the sake of time, I just want to hit a couple of extra questions here. Um, why do men think they don't have to contribute to housework? Um, for, what's, for one thing, be careful not to generalize. But listen, guys, you live there too. Help. Yep. Now, if you work all day long and your wife is a stay-at-home you know, stay um, housemaker or whatever, ladies... Come on, do you, do you think, okay? Um, but at me and at our house, we both we both take care of, of the housework and stuff like that. I cook more, way more than she does. She does way more laundry than I do, but we work together to make it work. Now, listen, just because we might do it a certain way doesn't mean that it's a carbon copy in your life and you have to abide by it. You figure out what works for you. But listen, if you start fighting over something in your house, or if your wife or you starts getting frustrated about something coming to housework, it is a sign that there's somebody in the room that does not feel like they are getting their end of the bargain held up. Okay, yeah, they don't feel valued. That's a good way to look at it. So, so if your wife feels like you never help out with the laundry, even though you wear 14 pairs of clothes every day, and she starts upset about it, gets upset about it, that's a sign to you to let you know, hey, we need to, we need to have a conversation about this. Um, oh, one more I wanted y'all to answer. And uh, remember, there are little ears in the sanctuary. But when my husband wants to be intimate, and I don't, I still partake. But when I want to be intimate, he makes me feel like I'm a burden and other things are more important, like his own hobbies. Explain how and why this is not healthy and what we should do about it. Don't be selfish. Uh, well, by, Come on, man. That was your chance, guys. What are y'all doing? Like, by God. Okay. No, no. Okay. Well, the word says, the word says that when you're married, that your body no longer belongs to you, but That's to it. your spouse. And so, um, you know, whichever end it is that is not being intimate or making the effort and all of that, then uh, they're out of line with what the Word says. It also says that you should not abstain from intimacy only for prayer and to hurry up and get through praying so that you're not tempted. So um, God created intimacy and it's got its purpose and its place and it's not only for procreation. And so we all need to. Um. Jesus, help us all. Monique said it's for recreation. Listen to me, guys. But listen, there are two kinds of intimacy. There's the kind that guys want, and there's the kind that women want. Hear me, and I'm trying to keep it little ears. So, fellas, if you are not giving her that kind of intimacy, don't expect her to give you that kind of intimacy. And back and back, vice versa. Vice versa. So, and here's the danger of this. Um, a, a, I'm just talking on, the, on behalf of guys here. It's very easy if we are not getting that kind of intimacy for our, our mind to wonder, our eyes to wonder, and that's a lot of times how things happen that are extramarital, okay? But listen, it's, 
women are not exempt from this because you might have a coworker that just always is doting on you and you just love that and you're getting that level of intimacy from that person and not from your spouse. Listen to me, where you, grow, where you water the grass is where the grass grows green, okay? So don't expect to not water your own grass and then be surprised when you got dead grass. Okay, yes ma'am, quickly. And another thing about that is, is don't ask your partner to do something that defiles their conscience. True. Because we don't want that to happen, the word says, for our conscience to stay. Um, right, absolutely. Um, quickly, um, how do you know if this is the right one after being divorced? I'm so hesitant. Uh, listen to me. Hollywood gave you the idea that there's a right one. You could be happy with a lot of different people, okay, a lot of different personalities. I don't think there's this one's, oh, God made this person. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think that's Hollywood. But here's what you need to ask. Is the person godly? Meaning, are they in an active relationship with Jesus pursuing him? Number two, are we compatible? Godly or not, if you're not going to, uh, you're not going to mesh with every person. So make sure you're compatible. And number three, do trusted people in my life think this is a good godly thing? Okay, you need third parties because you will get so enamored by this person that you will do whatever. Okay, and just as a side note, um, when it comes to, um, I, we've had some people ask even today about cohabitation. Listen, you need to get married. If you're going to live together, you need to get married. Okay, there's only one reason. Why you cohabitate and not get married. And it's not financial. It's not all that other stuff. Um, even Jordan Peterson, a secular person, says this is the best explanation I've ever heard of it. It's because at the deep core of you, there's always this expectation there might be something better that comes along. Mar- Listen to me, guys. Marriage keeps you in a covenant like nothing else. And listen to me. There is exponentially more freedom in a marriage covenant than there is in a cohabitation covenant. Trust me on this one. Trust me. Okay? I'm not dissing anybody if you're cohabitating. I'm not talking negative like that. I'm not, I'm not dissing you. I'm just saying God has a better plan for you than that. Okay? Okay. Um, what does a healthy relationship look like? Godly, growing, and gratifying. Okay? That self, godly self-explanatory, growing is getting better, and gratifying is producing fruit. If my marriage is toxic, what do I do? You need a third party. Um, how do I trust, build trust in my relationship? Um, the best thing I tell you is just eliminate things that are causing distrust. If your spouse is frustrated that you're on Facebook and all your exes are on Facebook, cancel your Facebook. Okay. Um, how do we manage disagreements? If my family swept stuff under the rug, but their family threw plates, um, this is one is really important. So let me stop here for just a second. Um, uh, Monique and I were like this. And we would butt heads because I wanted to deal with the mess now. I ain't going to be mad in three hours. We're going to do this now. And she was like, no, we ain't going to talk about this right now. And, of course, when she would walk away, what would your boy do? Oh, the Hulk. You know what I'm saying? Like, rip so many clothes up because of it. So my pastor, our pastor, Pastor Chuck at Longview, he told us, the moment you get to that, you know when, when you're about to blow your top, you know that moment, you can feel it in your chest. That's when we say we have a code word for this. And once somebody says the code word, you don't say another word after that. You shut your mouth for 30 minutes, okay? Now, because I'm the one that wants to handle it right now, I've got to go cool down. Because she's the one that wants to push it back and not deal with it, she is required to bring it back up to me within 30 minutes so we can deal with it. You're never going to solve any problem when you're at the ends of your rage, okay? Um, and lastly, what do we do about our relational past? Um, you, you don't dig up hatchets that are not causing issues, Okay, so if you have something in your past that is causing an issue in your present, you need to deal with it. You need to give yourself a time limit. In six months, we're going to have this dealt with. Okay, because if you don't, if you don't make a plan, you'll never do it. But if something in your past 
God's already forgiven you for it and you've walked away from his fight and it's not having impact on your now, why would you dredge it up? Don't sit there and, and unburden yourself to your spouse, okay, on something that is going to destroy them if they find this out. Go get a therapist and tell them your deepest, darkest secrets, okay? Oh, well, you don't want to have any secrets. Again, if it's causing a problem now, deal with it. Okay, let's go to parenting. All right. Uh, how do I teach my children biblical principles when I don't understand them myself? Where do we start? Traditions, et cetera, yada. So as a parent, it is your job to read your Bible and have a relationship with God. If you want your kids to be good, godly kids and to follow God, you have to mimic that for them. Um, all of that knowledge is in our Bible. You've got to start reading. You've got to connect with other parents who are godly parents that you trust. Um, what do you say, Jason? Find people that know you, know God, love you, love God, and have your best interest in mind. There and it you is. connect with them, yes. and you start learning how they parent. But uh, the main number one thing is you've got to start reading your Bible, and you've got to have a relationship with God. All right. Amen. Um, when it comes to the Bible, I know the Bible can be complex. Uh, you need to get an NLT, New Living Translation. It's very easy to understand. Okay. Um, and then if you still are having problems, here's what you do. You get a kid Bible. And you read your kid Bible with your kid. My daughter's in piano and she's learning piano right now. And the way they started her out was with basic books, you know, uh, da, 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 super basic. Now she's playing Mozart. Doesn't matter if you're 11 or 111, they start you off learning piano the same exact way. So if you don't understand the Bible, start off like a kid. Maybe you didn't get the benefit of having that when you were young. So. And it will take time. It, if you yeah. don't know the Bible, that sounds like you are being introduced to Christianity as an adult. It is going to take time as you immerse yourself 100%. in our culture and Christian culture to learn how things are done. And you get that by being around people. This is a huge part of why you come to church, why you make relationships with church, with church people. It's like maybe you don't know, hey, I don't understand this Bible verse. Maybe you listen to the Daily Hit. That's a little selfish plug there. But maybe you call somebody and say, hey, I don't, need, I don't know what this means. Can you help me out? Uh, it's, it's a big deal. Okay, um, how do we get through to our children the importance of respecting and obeying authority? Okay, so this one, it is important for every parent to understand that your authority is derived from God's authority. And I know for me as a mom, it's super easy to forget that, that I have God's authority and it gets all muddled up in my mind with frustration and anger that my kids aren't doing uh, what I say. And I just expect them to obey out of convenience. Like, <laughs> obey me because I said so, because I'm your mom. I don't want to have to sit here and explain. My Anybody story. else think like that? Come on, parents. That's me. In Ephesians 6, it says, Children, obey your parents the way the Lord wants because this is the right thing to do. The command says you must respect your father and mother. This is the first command that has a promise with it. And this is the promise. Then all will go well with you and you will have a long life on the earth. So your job as an adult is to determine what's best for your kid and direct them in that path. So, for instance, um, say Audrey comes to me and she, my youngest daughter, she's four. She's wearing this pretty pink dress for Sunday morning church but we're about to go to the park and I say Audrey you can't wear that dress to the park you're going to get dirty and uh, she says no I want to wear it I'm going to wear this dress and I say okay but don't come complaining to me when your dress is ruined in that instance in that circumstance I have just taught her that she gets to have the authority in her life and she gets to have the final say on what goes and I have undermined my own authority in her eyes um, so I have suggestions for her, but she doesn't have to obey them. Um, 
But if I said something like, say I made oatmeal for my kids in the morning, and they don't like oatmeal, they want cereal, um, but I said something like, I'm sorry, we're having oatmeal this morning, let's be thankful that we have food on the table this morning, we have time mm -hmm. to eat it, and um, that it's good food, it's hot, you know, or whatever. And uh, the kids say, um, but I really want cereal, I really want cereal. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we're having oatmeal this morning. I'm sticking to my grounds. Maybe tomorrow morning we'll have something better that you like. In that moment, I've shown them that I have the authority and I have the say. Because kids cannot always make mature decisions for themselves. True. Audrey didn't realize that if she got mud on her dress, it would probably be stained and ruined and she'd never be able to wear it again. You know, Kids don't realize that oatmeal has nutritional value for them that cereal doesn't hold that they need to eat to nourish their bodies. They can't make long-term decisions for themselves. And so it's important for you to do that. And so in order to get your child to understand the importance of respecting and obeying, in all those situations when it comes up, you have to show them your authority and you have to show them that you mean it. You can't just uh, get angry out of convenience and tell them, you have to obey me because you have to obey me, but you also can't get angry you know, and let them have their way. You have to show them we're thankful, we're obeying God because we're obeying our parents. And, and uh, doing that in every situation in your life. And it comes up a lot. I have three kids. It's all the time, every circumstances, every circumstance that I'm talking to them, I'm teaching them about authority and that they have to obey me. Um, and that's how they learn. That's how you teach your children respect and obeying is little things, little things like the cereal and the dress. You have to uh, be consistent and you have to uh, swallow a lot of frustration and a lot of like again we have to go through this again yeah as a parent so absolutely um a lot y'all it's a lot there that's a lot to digest and um um consistency is a big part of this mm -hmm. okay um but listen if you don't teach your kids authority now what makes you think they're gonna respect authority when they turn 22 so train up a child in the way they should go that's proverbs 22 6 when they're old they won't depart from it so if you are not teaching your child authority and obedience and discipline now, they're going to have a really hard time when they get into real life. Because here's what will happen. They'll get into the real world and realize that, that people aren't as soft as mommy is. And they're going to wonder. I mean, we're experiencing that a lot right now in the world right now where people were told that they were roses and butterflies their whole lives and they're realizing that not everybody believes that about them. Okay. Um, um, let's see. Here's one. Um, how do you... In a blended family, what's the best way to discipline children? I want to do this one very quickly because it's very simple. The biological parent should always lead the discipline for the biological child, but the discipline should always occur with the step-parent as a part of it because it gives the biological parent an opportunity to show the kid that the step-parent has some authority here too. Okay. Now, you work out what level of discipline you want the step-parent to do with the child, but it's incredibly important that y'all as a team a parent team we tell this to our kids all the time because they'll pit you know kids will pit one parent against the other and when they do that i'll tell them mommy and daddy are on the same team mommy and daddy are on the same team so if the kid wants let's say let's say audrey wants a piece of candy and and i don't care if she has candy or not but monique has already told her no so a lot of times i'll have to ask did mommy say you could have candy because what she'll do is she'll go ask mommy and then come ask me and then all of a sudden, we're not on the same team. But if mommy said, if one parent has said no, then it's no. 
And it's important that you do this in the little things, as little as a piece of candy, to the big things. Because when yeah. you're faithful in the little things, you're faithful in the big things. Come on, that's exactly right. And so whether it's a nuclear family or a blended family, it works the same way. But I do believe biological parents should be leading the discipline for biological children. Um, how to deal with the defiant teenage kid. How to get teens involved in church. Let me just answer the last one first. Um, you take them to church. Okay, like I didn't have a choice whether I went to church or not. I was going to church. I was going to youth and I was wearing long pants and not shorts. That's how it was in my house. Okay, I didn't die because I went to youth every don't don't do listen, y'all don't do this thing where, hey, do you want to go to youth tonight? No, you're going to youth tonight. I want you surrounded by people who are chasing after Jesus. I put you in a school all week long where people ain't chasing after Jesus. You at least gonna have an hour where people are chasing after Jesus. Go to church. Get in the room. Be there. There is something to attending church that is different than just watching it online or doing it every now and then. Be faithful in it. Show them that church is important to their development. Okay? It isn't incredibly important. Now, when it comes to defiance, um, those types of situations, um, kids are either um, kids are either crying for help, they're asking for attention, or it's the work of the enemy in their lives. So here's what you have to do. You have to dig in and figure out which one it is and if they're being defiant. And then if they are, um, any disobedience should be met with appropriate discipline. Okay? Jordan Peterson has a great, great um, talk about your main job as parents is to raise kids that people like. Now, I want you to think about this. I'll, I'll see if I can put... I posted it once in the family Facebook feed. I'll see if I can do it again. But... But imagine raising a kid that no one likes. How do you think that's going to work out for that child? It's going to be a hard knock life. It's a hard knock life, right? It's going to be tough. So I'm not talking about being people pleasers, but discipline your kids so that when they're interacting with other people, not only is it a reflection on you, but people actually want to be around your children. Yeah. It's very important. Okay, good. Which brings us to this question that someone asked, what's the best way to deal with a bad attitude yep. for a kid? That was the next one. Are super closely combined. Um, so when it comes to bad attitudes with kids, um, we all know that the heart, a person's heart, what they think, what they feel, what their uh, ethics, morals, all that stuff are, um, are the center of your life. So all behavior flows from our heart. That's what the Bible says. It says in Luke 6.45, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And um, that comes out in our words and actions, in kids' words and actions. Um, and simply modifying the behavior of a kid is not going to change their heart. Right. And by modifying a behavior, I mean like uh, rewarding good behavior and disciplining bad behavior. That's not going to change what their heart is. That's going to instead make them say, oh, if I do this, this happens. Or if I don't do this, this happens. And that leads to a selfish ethics base, which is not what we want. We want their... Uh, hearts and their minds to be Bible-based. We want them to right. be thinking about glorifying God in what they do. Um, so the way to do that is, one, correction and discipline must be concerned with heart issues. How do you find out harsh heart issues? You talk to your child and you listen. Sometimes you have to read between the lines of what they're saying. Mm. Vivian has trouble at school, and I find out just from listening to her, even though she won't say it outright, it's because she's having issues with her friends being mean to her, you know, stuff like that. And then we can deal with, well, why does it hurt your feelings what they're saying? Is it because you don't think you're pretty? Is it because you don't think you're smart? And then what does the Bible say about that? Yep. Next, um, your concern is to unmask your child's sin. So if we have a heart issue that's coming out of sin, 
Um, it is your job as a mom or dad to help them to know that that's sin, that you've done this, and that that makes Jesus' heart sad. And so we need to find out what we need to change to make Jesus' heart happy. What can we do to instead glorify God instead of making his heart sad? And then the next, um, correction provides opportunities to show the glory of God who sent his son to change hearts and free people enslaved to sin. So if it gets to a point um, where you've identified the heart issue and now you're having behavior problems that aren't changing, we go to correction like um, for us, it's spanking in our house sometimes, and for us, it's also taking away electronics, and for us, it's also spending time alone in your room. And so correction issues uh, come whenever you have uncontrollable behavior. Um, but correction issues are not bad to change behavior, but you also have to deal with the heart issue. If you don't deal with the heart issue, you are going to have that bad attitude, and it is going to stay. That's good. And remember, discipline, some kids' spanking works for them. Listen, some kids it doesn't, okay? And so, uh, you know, the Bible, uh, I know everybody thinks the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, spare the rod and you hate your son. Yep. God always connects discipline and love. So if you love, you discipline. Now, sparing the rod, that is, that is spanking. But listen to me, there are some kids that don't respond to that. So you need to figure out what your kid responds to and do that specific thing. I do think something that she said in the first service um, was really good here is that every so I hope this is a mindset shift for a lot of people every single problem that you have with your kid when it comes to discipline is not just one more reason why you can get frustrated but it's one more opportunity to show them the love of Jesus to show them you love them and to show them that you are dedicated to helping them be everything God created them to be it's an opportunity for correction not an opportunity for you to erupt Yep. It says in the Bible, the Bible teaches that when the heart is cleansed, the behavior will take care of itself. Matthew 23, 26. Pharisees, you are blind. First make the inside of the cup clean and good. Then the outside of the cup will also be clean. Yeah. Amen. Um, there are uh, just five questions you can ask yourself. And this is in the notes. I'll make this available. Five questions. Ask yourself. Number one, do I measure my success as a parent by the quality of the relationship or by how effectively I can control my child? Am I trying to make my child successful just so I will feel successful? Do I model the behavior that I want my child to exhibit? Do I focus more on what my child does or on who my child is becoming? And lastly, do I want what's good for my child or do I want what's godly for my child? Amen. All right, let's talk finances. All right, everybody get your checkbook out. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, let's start with this one. How do you make your spouse get on board and stop blowing money? Causes a huge strain on the relationship. Lots of talking, zero actions. <laughs> let's, let's just dive into the deep end, guys. Yes. So I'm the spender. <laughs> we're just going to put it all out there. Uh, no, we're very open about um, what we've been through and, uh, you know, coming out on the other side of it. So we're a very open book and share our experiences. Uh, I am a saver. I budget our finances, and he is our free-spirited uh, spender. I love you, Greg. Wow. <laughs> a lot of approvals in our house. <laughs> <laughs> so in this situation, you have to be able to come together and have a conversation about your finances. Um, it's all going to start with that. You have to be on the same page. You have to have a game plan of where you want your family to go. Yeah. And um, we talked about um, 
having goals and setting a game plan, you know, for one year, two years, five years. And that's what we do in our house. Um, we sit, we sit down together. Uh, and when we first did this, um, several years ago, we sat down and we wrote down everything that is coming into our house and everything that is going out of our house. Because mm. even though we're making the money, it seemed like we never had money. And then the more money you make, the more money you spend. I yes. think we've all been there. And it's going to have to do with you cannot be selfish. You have to listen to yourself. You have to recognize first who's the budgeter, who's the spender, who's yeah. your free-spirited person. And unfortunately, that free-spirited person, you might get your debit card taken away. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey. we, we didn't go there earlier. Uh, but you yeah. have to be able to give into that and be on the same page and know where you want your family to be. Do you want to be stuck in the same situation day after day, yep. year after year? Or do you want to break that trend of maybe how you grew up? You didn't see your parents financially savvy and so you carried on those same bad habits. Mm. You have to be the one that breaks that cycle. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Greg, you have anything to add to that? <laughs> okay, hey. Like, like in marriage, it's compromise. Yeah. It's understanding. And uh, if, you know, I've, I've had to lose control twice in my life. One is when I got saved, and two is whenever I married her. Come on, man. So uh, it comes with a level I love of compromise that. And, and understanding that if it's important enough to have a conversation, just don't be in the conversation to hear be in the conversation to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not, if that thing starts welling up inside of you, like I ain't going to listen to anything. they said, that's pride, y'all. That's the same thing got the devil kicked out of heaven is inside of you right there at that moment. You better deal with it. Right. Yeah. Um, that leads right into the next question. What do you do when one spouse is better at managing finances than the other? But that spouse is irresponsible. But the spouse that's irresponsible with money won't let you handle the finances. Ooh. Is this a control problem, Craig? So it's a give it away opportunity. <laughs> Don't you love that perspective shift right there? It's not a control problem. It's a give it away opportunity. I love right. it. So I think it's recognition first. Uh, I never recognized that I had a problem in, until uh, I was willing to accept the feedback from my spouse. Huh. And uh, so recognition, awareness of, of where you're at and where you want to go, and then respecting the uh, seriousness and the long-term gain uh, yeah. commitment that you have yeah. ahead of you because it's not a you know a get rich quick program it is yeah. a it's a steady consistent mindful and meaningful process yeah yeah so we had to get to the point where I had to stop talking at him stop spending you know this much money at Starbucks stop spending stop okay. stop 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 um, it was when we finally came together because when I'm just talking at him, he's not, he probably hears me, man, 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 man. But he's still, you know, spending the money and doing what he wants to do because by golly, he makes the money, he's gonna spend the money. Why can't I spend the money that I make? Mm. And it's when you bring your finances together and you see the bigger picture and you have a goal of where you want your family to go, we knew we came together, we knew we had to break this habit. Um, neither one of us grew up with great uh, spending uh, examples with our parents. And so we knew that we did not want to continue living the life that we were living. Uh, and you know, it was to the point where we had to borrow money from his parents so that we could have gas to get to work. 
Um, and we were making good money. There was no, absolutely no reason why we needed to be in that situation, but we were because of our lack of understanding money, our lack of knowing what money could actually do for you and using it as a tool. Uh, and so when we um, submitted ourselves to that and accepted what each of us were to blame for in that situation is when we came together um, and has really drastically changed our lives. Yeah. Now, I know they went through the Dave Ramsey program. Many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey. Let me save you some money. The answer is no. You can't buy anything, okay? That's the answer. Eat rice and beans so you get your debts paid off and then buy a cash cart. That's pretty much it. But, um, but the whole point, though, is you hear what they're saying is that they had to get to a place where they desired a different life more than they desired the life that they'd been living financially. Listen, that transcends finance. Maybe you're living an addiction life. At some point, you need to realize that the life I am not addicted is a life that I want more than the life I'm living addicted. You hear what I'm saying? So be sure that you understand precisely what they're saying here. Um, but let me let me ask you this, um, because debt was uh, we talked about that before. What uh, is it OK for a believer to have debt? Yes. Uh, don't let debt own you. That's it. Uh, and, and don't let. Uh, the means in order to pay the debt back, which is money, uh, be what you worship, uh, because then it takes focus and love away from God. Uh, so uh, Proverbs, uh, it says, uh, the borrower is the slave to the lender. Mm. So to me, that means it's a mindset and a heart set deal. Yeah. Right. Where's your mind at? Where's your heart at? Uh, and, and the more careless you get with your money management, which she's uh, alluded to earlier, uh, the more it controls your decisions, your emotions, where your heart is, what your focus is, and then how that cascades down to your children as well. And so uh, you live your decisions. You live out your decisions. And uh, we also understand that the economy, the way that it is, and, uh, you know, if, unless you're highly capitalized, you can't go out there and just purchase a house with a check, one check only. Uh, and to have a reliable source of transportation to take your kids to school uh, and then pick them up and bring them back home and between those two uh, commuting to work uh, that you will probably have debt with your vehicle as well uh, and and that's okay too where's your heart mm. where's your mind and and where's your focus and and how are you and what are you teaching your children about money management yeah and you mentioned earlier that we weren't you know we weren't financially savvy growing up and that's why we were where we were at when we were there uh, and we had to learn through trial and tribulation uh, and through having a network of people who cared around us. And so just focus on those things. Uh, don't let debt and money rule your decisions, right? Let where you want to go and let God help guide you there and the, the Godful people around you. As well. Yeah. If I could just add one thing to that, um, something that we experienced is um, we got to a breaking point where we were so mad. We were so mad living in this continuous cycle of debt. And when we sat down and we said, okay, we're doing this, um, we paid off a couple credit cards totaling in like $20,000 within a six month period, paid it off completely. And on one hand, we were like, oh, thank goodness, this is such a relief. But on the other hand, I was so mad. I was like, why in the world did it take us you know, so long to get to the point where 
It, it's six months to pay off $20,000. You know what we could have done with $20,000? I mean, we could all think of something that, multiple things that we could do with that money. And so in that moment, you know, we made a commitment to each other and to God that this is not the life that we're going to live. This is not the cycle that we're going to continue. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, that's great. Uh, you know, about debt, um, most of us can't just go write a check for a house like you talked about. So this would be considered like a good debt. It's it's it can be an asset, you know, especially if Absolutely. if you're in the right. Like at our house, we're we're in a great spot in our house where if we needed to sell it, we can make a great profit on it. So that's good debt to have. Now, here's bad debt is going and buying a thirty thousand dollar boat that you're going to use twice a year. I'm not bringing up a boat again. I'm sorry, Dad. But that's that's now listen, if you can afford it again, do what you want to do. God doesn't he doesn't have a problem with you having money. Don't let money have you. It's not, it's not bad to have a nice car. Don't let the nice car have you, okay? And don't let having the new fancy boat become your identity because if it is, that's a problem, y'all. That's a problem. Now, I want to address something right now um, that, um, that I want to be the bad guy on. I don't want anybody else up here to be the bad guy on, and that's the issue of tithing. Um, somebody did ask, how do I tithe if my husband hasn't given his heart to Jesus and doesn't believe it's right? So that's two parts. Let me just tell you the first part. Um, if you believe tithing is what you need to be doing, then and when you get your paycheck, tithe on it. Okay? As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Well, if your house is not going to go with you, as for me, I'll serve the Lord. Okay? But let me just tell you about tithing. Tithing is not the church just wanting your money. In fact, if you think the church just wants your money, I would lovingly say keep your money. Okay? Um, tithing should be done out of obedience to a command that God gave us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Now, we can argue about, well, they say 10%. It never says 10%. Listen, Abraham tithed 10%. Malachi talks about it. We see it in the, Old Te- in the New Testament as well. That's what the number is. But listen to me. The 10% belongs to God, but the 90 belongs to him too. You are a steward of what he gives you the ability to gain. So if you give your 10%, but you spend the 90 like a moron, don't sit there and wonder why in the world God's blessings ain't chasing you down. God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. But if you spend if you spend a hundred dollars every night, you know, down at the restaurant, and then wonder why you don't have any money, don't blame that on God. Okay. So the Bible says that He will not only rebuke the devourer for your sake, but that He will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. Look, tithing is you being in covenant with God when it comes to your finances. Okay. The reason I say we're going to be the bad guy, I'm going to be the bad guy, is because a lot of times people hear the word tithing and they clam up. But you know what? I'm asking you to be in covenant with Jesus when it comes to your relationship with him because I want to see you in heaven and I want to see you living on heaven, heaven now. I tell you to be in covenant with the Holy Spirit because I want to see you walking out the fruits of the Spirit in your life right now. So don't get mad at me for wanting you to be in covenant with God with your finances so you can begin walking in blessing. That's the truth of the matter, guys. I'm just going to be honest with you about that. Um, and a lot of times... We don't give the tithe because we want to control that. But lordship is everything. Tim Ross said something. He said, um, he said no matter where you are in your life, if you're, having, if you're having struggles in your marriage, if you've sinned, if, you, you know, if your identity is in a crisis, um, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. It doesn't matter if you've been perfect or if you've killed everybody in the world. He still wants a relationship with you. That's the good news. But there's some bad news. Here's the bad news is that he's going to ask you to give your life just like he gave his life. And that means you're going to have to submit your identity. 
You're going to have to submit your problems and your situations. You're going to have to submit your sin. You're going to have to submit all these little things that you think identify you, nail them to the cross, and allow God to create in you who He wants to create in you. Same thing with your finances, guys. Okay? So if you want to fix your finances, it starts with covenant with Jesus. You cannot be a Christian and expect to have, co- have blessings in your finances if you are out of covenant with God when it comes to your finances. All right? I love you too much not to tell you that. Okay? Um, last question for you on finances. How should we spend? One of the things we recommend is the 50-30-20 rule. You know, 50 on necessities, uh, 20 on spending, uh, or 30 on spending, 20 on uh, savings. What do y'all think? Uh, I think it's a... It's a good rule of, you have to start somewhere. Um, Sit down, write everything down and figure out what is going out. You know, you have these 10, 20 bills that you're paying. This is the money that's going out of your house. Um, What's coming in and then how much can you put into savings? And so your bills and then your savings is gonna take uh, presence over your needs. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, food and clothing, um, but your needs are Amazon. Um, I need this coffee at Starbucks. I need to go shopping. Hey, hold on now. Don't be talking about Amazon. All right. (laughs) Look, at the end of the day, I had to do it. I had to disconnect that credit card from Amazon. Mm. I had to unsubscribe from all of those emails that I get, you know, buy two, get 50% off, buy one, get one free. (laughs) Unsubscribe from all of those emails and they're not there to tempt you. When you really get serious about your finances and you want to take control of them, you're going to do everything that you possibly can to make it happen. You're going to get down to the nitty gritty of it. You're going to get rid of those subscriptions, 15 different subscriptions that you have that probably total up to $200. That's another $200 that you could have given in tithes, but you didn't because you didn't have the money. But we do have the money. If we take the time to break down our finances and look at it from a different perspective. A lot of times we find that our needs are not really needs, they're wants. Right. Okay, and so it's very important to do that. Listen, budgeting doesn't tell you what you can't spend. It tells you what you can spend. And it's very important. If you don't have a budget to develop that, I know that's tough for Monique and I because we are both spenders, so y'all pray for us. Listen. Yeah, yeah, talking to Mike. Talking to Mike, quick. The old bone is you cannot afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. Yeah. And so that's old school. I just wanted to share that with you so you could remember that. Yeah. And a last drop on that is tithing is not giving God at the end of your paycheck. It's giving at the beginning because giving at the end is not faith. It's leftovers. God didn't give you leftovers. He gave you his first and his best. Okay. So don't give God leftovers. Okay. And um, I know sometimes people te- uh, teach uh, tip God until you can tithe God. That's not faith. Okay, that's not faith. Um, I hope you hear a a theme today that um, whatever you're struggling with in parenting, in your finances, in your marriage, um, a third party can be the biggest help for you. Um, They're talking about finances. They went to Dave Ramsey. You know why? Because they knew they couldn't do it themselves. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I just I'm struggling so hard because I know I can't do this myself. You're in a great spot. Because you're in a church body right now that actually cares about helping you get success in that area. But it's going to take you reaching out. It's going to take you 
um, um, getting that third party involved. Listen, if you want balance in your life, it's going to take the Word of God being the control. The Word of God is the standard. So whatever you me- whatever's messing around in your life, whatever's messed up, what does the Bible say about it? And you apply that Scripture to your life. The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may test and discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You're never going to balance your life based on the wisdom of the world. It's got to be the wisdom of God. Uh, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's Matthew 6, If you're not seeking the kingdom, don't expect the kingdom results. But when you, ex- when you are seeking the kingdom, expect kingdom results, okay? So what do we do from today? What are we going to do from today? Here's what we do. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to direct us, okay? We have to figure out how to balance our lives, and we do that by the Word of God. But here's our opportunity. So here are the steps. Number one, you have to submit that thing that you're struggling with to the Lord. Submit it completely to the Lord. I know we're going a little long today. I'm sorry about that, but you've got to submit it to the Lord, okay? Number two, you've got to ask for forgiveness for any part of the instability that you created, okay? Number three, you have to allow His Word to rebalance you. And then number four, you have to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in the next steps. So the the devil is going to come to you after this is over with, and he's going to say, yeah, all that was great information. Like, it's really good. And you know what? He might even tell you, if you do it, you're going to succeed. But then he's going to start reminding you of every reason why you're not going to be able to do it. He's going to put all that mess in your head. And I want you to know something right now. He's a liar. You can succeed in your marriage. You have a 100% chance of succeeding in your marriage if you do it God's way. That's what Jimmy Evans says all the time. Okay? You can. Now, some of y'all right now, you're having marriages that are failing. And it's not your doing. Don't you feel bad? Don't feel bad. You're doing everything you can. And sometimes people just won't do the right thing. And you cannot make somebody do something that they don't want to do. So sometimes it just takes moving on. And I know that stinks. That's not what God wants. But sometimes that's the case. When it comes to your parenting, you yell at your kids every day. I hear you. Y'all, it's hard. It's hard. But I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Because you know what? Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Not a fruit of the Jason. So I need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. So let's take a moment and pray. Can we do that? And what, you know, what I want you to do is um, whatever area you're struggling with, um, I want you to just take a moment and I want you to just submit that to the Lord. So Father, we come before you right now. And in this moment, right now, we submit this issue to you. Maybe you're having a struggle in your marriage right now. Uh, maybe you just need to pick one today. Maybe you're having a struggle in your parenting. Maybe you're struggling in your finances. Maybe you've been fighting something like tithing because it's like you, you've had such a bad experience with it in the past. Hey, give God six weeks and watch how he changes your life if you'll do it. But submit that to the Lord today. In fact, I, I, I firmly believe that right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you about exactly what you need to do, a specific step you need to take this week. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to give them the courage to take that step in the name of Jesus. Father, forgive us where we have created instability in our own lives. Forgive us where our actions have created that instability. Right now, we apply the word of God, the living word, to our situation. God, I pray that Bible verses, I mean, I'm talking in the morning when we wake up and somebody shared a Bible verse on Facebook. God, I'm praying that's the verse that we need. Come on, let secular prophets do the work that you're doing. God, let those verses come forth that we can apply to our lives. And God, finally, give us courage to reach out for help when we don't know how to do something. Even if it's something as simple as spending money. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you that you desire our lives to be in balance. 
and that you have moved heaven and earth to create balance in our lives. So we receive that right now in the name of Jesus. We commit that we will ask for help. We will do everything you've asked us to do. We are in covenant with you, Jesus. Come on, church, just one last moment. Press in right now. We are in covenant with you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to move in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.